Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith. Today's episode is sponsored by KB's Parker on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. They have a hand car wash, vacuum, and clean interior. Full detail is also available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They're open Tuesday to Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Today's episode is also sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts. If you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, this is the place for you. They have a wide variety of desserts, including cakes, ice cream, banana pudding, and my personal favorite, the Oreo cheesecake. They'll be Tuesday to Saturday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. So stop by and visit Big Ben's Desserts on 297 Spumberg Highway in Lima, South Carolina, where nothing could be sweeter. So today, once again, we are still out here in Hollywood for the Cross the Line Podcast Self-Investment Tour. I have a very special guest with me today. We are here at the Lab Factory. Um, this is a special episode, just you know, talking to you earlier about how I started from where I was in my dad's backyard in the storage building to being at the Lab Factory. This is it's crazy. It's a chocolate Sundays. Chocolate Sundays. <laughs> and so I have a very special guest with me today. Her name is Miss Lonnie Crooks. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, I thank you for taking the time and you know, inviting me out here. Um, you know, some stuff was going on. We didn't know if we were going to be able to make it happen. Maybe things change. But thankfully, you won't have to make the time to, you know, sit down and have a conversation. And I want to just tell you kind of how I actually um, put everything together. So I remember um, about three, four years ago, I did an interview with Desi Banks. And um, so I followed him, and I saw that one day he posted about, you know, coming out here to the lab for a show or something. So... I said, you know what, man, let me just kind of do some research. I started digging because of Laugh Factory, and I was just trying to find somebody who's tied in with it. So then, once I found it, that's what I was So that's kind of how it got started. And once you know, we went back and forth a little bit, and you talked to me, really to you know, give me an invite out here. So they helped me out a lot. So thank you for you know, taking the time to sit with me today. Yes. And I just have to correct. I correct everybody. We're we're chocolate Sundays. We're we're not the last factory. Sundays. Yeah, okay. it is a very big distinction. Okay, I just yeah. Want to make sure. Yeah, because we we're our own company. We mm-hmm. basically contract out the lab factory. So okay. the lab factory is the venue, and but our company is chocolate Sundays, and we're we're the show on Sunday nights. Okay, okay. Yeah. Thank you for mm-hmm. yeah. chocolate Sunday. So for the people watching this interview, if you had to describe yourself, who is Lonnie Cruz? Who is like? Oh wow! Um, I mean, where do I start? <laughs> I think most people would say that I'm a really hard worker. I've always been a hustler, like the type of person that always had more than one job and always working, like going through school and always having a job from when I was like 12, basically. Um, yeah, I think I'm about my business. I'm trustworthy. I never play with people's money. Um, I'm reliable. I'm always on time. Um, yeah, that's what people would say about me. And where would you? Where are you originally from? No, I've been all over. My dad was in the military, and my parents divorced early, so he raised me a little bit. I moved back and forth a lot, but um, mostly I grew up in Alaska. Cold. So, what was your early childhood like? No, just me, and I grew up with just my dad, pretty much. So, we didn't really have any family up there either. We have a really small family, so it was just my dad and I in Alaska. And what kind of things early on kind of like uh, did you gravitate towards? Mm-hmm. I've always been really into sports. 
Um, but I played like the random ones, but I've always been like athletic and active. Um, but tennis was kind of like my main thing. And then I play golf, um, swam, I was on the dance team. I did a lot of stuff. But I was like really into school too. Did you know early on, you know, growing up, what you kind of wanted to be growing up? Or no, well, I used to always say that I wanted to run BET. Like, that was like the goal. I said, um, because I used to always just like watch music videos, like every night, like the uncut ones. <laughs> that's like all I ever did. Um, so, yeah, so that's what originally I said that I would do. Right. You still, this is still like the perfect location, you know, with the BET Awards going on everything. Do you, you do anything related to the now or just strictly? No, the shows are always on the Sunday, um, so our show is usually pretty crazy during that weekend, but no, we're not affiliated with them. So, growing up, did you have, you know, you said it was just kind of like you and your dad, did you have any mentors or anybody that you looked up to that gave you any kind of advice? No, not really. I didn't have one until I got a lot older. Like, I had a mentor that just passed a couple years ago. Um, and my boss here, Pookie, is a mentor of mine. So what kind of uh, early on, like, uh, so you didn't, did you, was anybody in your family kind of like doing entrepreneurship? Or were you kind of mm-hmm. like the first in line to your kind of? Well, no, you know what? I'm lying. My mom. <laughs> How could I forget her? But she, um, she wasn't in my life a lot. But she is like, and that's why. Like, she was really just always about her money, and uh, that's why she wasn't really around. She was, but yeah, she definitely is. I mean, she still is now. Like, she, she has several companies. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, jobs would you say that you kind of like took on? You know, kind of like after school and everything, when you were trying to, when you were trying to find your way. Like after college? Yeah, after college. Um, so my first... Well, I started interning at Chocolate Sundays, actually. Like my... Okay. I moved down here um, freshman year of college. And that, like, second semester, I started interning for Chocolate Sundays. Um, and then Pookie wound up hiring me, so I was working part-time. Then my main thing was I worked in country clubs. I was in uh, membership and marketing for country clubs. What school did you uh, attend out here? USC. I went to Long Beach State first from Alaska. I went there for two years and then I transferred to USC. So when did you, you know, doing interning uh, in college? Did you kind of after that? Did you know kind of like this was what you wanted to do, or were you still trying to find your way? Um, I was trying to find my way, but like I said, I knew I wanted to be in some kind of not entertainment necessarily, because like I said, I don't like being like attention on me and I never wanted to be in front of the camera but I think my life everything I've done has always been about other people having a good time like I really like to cook I wanted to like DJ at one point I was you know doing parties at country clubs like everything was about having other people have a good time so I knew it was around that um but yeah I came to a show I found out about the show because I came to one because a friend of mine the one that's coming actually he was promoting it and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then I just wanted to be a part of it. So I guess from like the beginning, I always wanted like to be a part of Chocolate Sundays. Did you ever have anything where, you know, a lot of times for most people, they, they work jobs, you know, just to kind of like work, pay the bills, and you know, they're not really fulfilled with what they're doing. They just do what you know, kind of just to be a body. Did you have any of those kind of jobs, you know, working where you may not have felt necessarily like fulfilled or anything? Well, I mean, all of them before this one. Mm-hmm. pretty much everything and and the struggle I think for people like me is where we're like above average at everything like you're like a competent person you consider yourself pretty 
um, you know, intelligent, competent, whatever. So everything just it kind of comes easily. So then it's hard to figure out what your passion is because you don't suck at anything to like cross it off the list. You're like, oh, this could work, and you try to make it work for a little while, but it's like it doesn't really fulfill you, like you said. Do you ever still, at moments, have like sometimes struggle with like self doubt, like? Um, just like you know, I'm not sure if this is the right thing, or just have moments where you're like, am I really being fulfilled, or do you just have moments of doubt when you just you know just have those bad days? No, not anymore. I did though, but like I told you, I found this is my thing, so I don't feel like that anymore. But prior to yeah, I would hate going to work every day. I got to the point where I hated it. Right, right. When did you know for you it was time to you know like, make that jump, like take a leap of faith, you know? Just, go all in on like so yeah so it was I was working the country club job I had been there um, well I moved to the corporate office from the country club but I had been at that job I think five years and then and then um, and I was trying to and no I came back so I was doing both at one point I was doing the corporate thing like I was in the office like 7 a.m. to like 6 p.m. corporate office and then Hi. Yeah. Um, so I was in the corporate office like 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then I would work chocolate Sundays on Sundays. And I used to talk to Pookie about it and set it up and be like, because chocolate Sundays wasn't at its, like, it wasn't hitting on all cylinders. Like, it was still, a, it was always a great show, but, you know, the crowd was, some nights would be at like 50, 60% capacity. And I used to always look at it like, this show should be sold out every night, both shows. And so I talked to Pookie, and we kind of came up with a plan, and I just started saving money for, like, a year to just be able to, um, like, quit and just leave. And, yeah, after a year, I, I saved up enough where for six months I could make no money and still survive. And then, um, and yeah, then I finally took the plunge. But it was, like, I'm very risk-averse, so that was, like, really scary. Like, I'm really about to go from making, you know, six figures to, like, nothing, you know? So. And, that's, and that's what I was Like for most people, it's like we kind of need to take, you know, just work the nine to five and not, and, 
if not going investing in ourselves really. So I want to create a center where people can come in and kind of like work on their craft, like whether it's write a book or you want to do like a create like a movie sketch, write your own, anything like that, where people just come collaborate and just work on their dreams and build their dreams at the center like that. And I also want to you know travel and, and speak to um, speak to the kids, speak to people about you know going after the dream. Because um, I think that's so important. Because for me, you know, I just had to. My parents always wanted what was best for me, but it was just kind of like you know, just pretty much going doing the same thing they did, working nine to five, you know, stay there and retire. But I was like, life is more than just picking up a paycheck. So I was like, you know, I had to go all in on you know, what I want to do. So. The podcast and the book is part of everything that I'm doing. Plus, you know, I'm going to have like that creative center, like a creative space where entrepreneurs can come in and work on their gifts. So that's okay. part of the that's part of the dream. So the center is the dream, and you're going to fund it by a successful podcast successful and a book and motivational books, speaking. Motivational speaking. Everything. I have a I have a journal every day, and I write these things. I say, you know, I would travel the world, interview the greatest minds, inspiring millions of people. So. I write that every single day in my notebook and I just keep telling myself that even on days where I get a little nervous and I question things, like I still have that in my mind. Like I know I can do it. I just got to keep on going. And I just can't give up on the trail. Well, you know, I read a lot of, like, self-help books. And um, that's, like, the thing that they always say is, you know, put... Um, Write, write down your goals every day and like look at them every day. That's like in every single book. Oh, yeah. That's what they always say. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I'm reading right now, I have a book called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Mm-hmm. And it's basically talking about, you know, stop procrastinating. Because when you procrastinate, you put things off and you just delay your dreams or whatever that you want to do in life. And, um, and it's basically talking about eat the ugliest, biggest, ugliest frog, which is like, like maybe like one of the hardest things that you may feel doing. Like whether it's uh, reaching out, doing cold calling, picking, just picking somebody's brain about anything, you know, just about like, a job opportunity, anything. Whatever you feel the most, get those things done early in the day and stop procrastinating. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you say, uh, I'll do this later, I'll do it another time, maybe tomorrow, and then the put it off, and then you can your dream. So that's one of the um, books that I'm looking at right now. Like I was telling you about coming out here, um, a lot of times I'm in my own head because uh, I was talking to my brother, I said this in my last interview. I told him, I said, hey, man, I got an opportunity to do some interviews in, in Hollywood. So I was telling him everything, and he's like, okay, so I'm going to stop him. I said, really? Nothing really? He said, okay, well, go do it. So it was crazy. I was tracking flights out here, and they were expensive. And this thing I know, like, the next morning after we had the conversation, the price dropped me like $200. Mm-hmm. So I just took that as a sign. like, you know what? I need to go out here and just take that chance and do it. So, I booked the flight just like that, and then this was it was crazy because I booked the flight before I even you know contacted me again about coming out here. And that's when you like you may be out of town on Sunday, so I'm like, dang, that goes that in. But I still had a book. I just kept on reaching out and hitting other people with my good interviews. So I ended up doing two other interviews. And then, you know, just went out to me. And, um, like as well as still in town. So I'm like, well, perfect. I'm out here already. You said you could do it. That plan has changed. So 
So which other ones have you done? Um, I did Miko Grimes. Do you know who that is? Her husband is Brick Grimes. She uh, he, he played in the NFL. Okay. He, uh, she's very outspoken about everything. Politics, sports, anything you think of, like she doesn't hold back at all. So that's that's gonna be a great interview that you gotta check out. And also, um, there's another young lady. She's a she's a model. She's an entrepreneur. She actually. Um, She's from Connecticut. Her family was from Europe. She's first, first um, born in Connecticut. And uh, she said, you know, one day she just went to a field either. She was a bartender. And uh, she told her parents about she wanted to be a model. And uh, she just, you know, she, she sold all of her things. And I was doing out this way. She said she's been out here maybe like two years now. So that was the other two interviews. I was supposed to have another one with another gentleman, but it was a soccer team. He said he's out of the country right now, but I had to reschedule with him. That interview probably like the next month or two. I had to fly back out here for that one. Because I like to do my interviews like face to face instead of like on my own Zoom. It's not the same. So I mean, since I've been out here, I love the area. It's, it's totally different from home, where I'm from. Like, I just kind of like I don't want to say star state, but it's amazing. Like being in the same room with some of the people that I've seen, exactly. So it's been an amazing feeling. The only thing that kind of sucked was. I was telling somebody as girls, like not being able to have like a support system here with me. That's the only thing that kind of like maybe like down a little bit. Out here doing it on my own, which I, which I can do it on my by myself. But it's, it's just something to me about like, having my that support system. But I'm gonna ask you about that as well. Do you feel like your support system was? Did you have a support system? No, you know it's so funny. Like as you're talking about that, I've just always been the opposite. Like as you're saying it, I'm thinking like I would love to just go on my own and not have anybody. Really? But yeah, I've always been like that. Um, I think maybe because you know I told you my dad just raised me, so it was always just me. So um, I don't have a big family. I've, I've always been like really independent. So I wouldn't need that. Like I moved down here from Alaska by myself. Like I don't mind like going for a couple of days as far as like living. That'll be probably like the toughest thing for me to just kind of like actually live out here. Mm -hmm. But it, I mean, I still have my kids, my baby, baby come with me. The toughest thing is you know just kind of like all the way across the country. Like that's a big jump, but um. But yeah, I was like, man, as much fun as I'm happy, it would be nice to kind of like see my people here with me. You know, it's like I couldn't you know, continue to wait, but my dreams are long because all the people not have to make it. So I just kind of had to come out and like, do my things and still get to like, it's still a blessing because I still be, I met some great people out here and we're having a great time. But that's probably like one of the only things and that's what I'm saying, like kinda of like getting in my own head and you know, having those moments of self doubt and kinda just like being out from my own. I'm not really, it's scary at times. LA is a very scary place too. It's a very scary and very expensive place. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. so so how long did it take you a while to kinda of like get acclimated to being out here in LA? 
Not really, but I mean, I came down for school. I feel like it's a little different when you move somewhere for college because you're kind of like in the, you get thrown into like a school and you have friends and, you know, I told you I worked. So it was kind of like just living, going to school all day and then working. So no, I didn't really feel like uncomfortable or anything. So was it, did you ever have like a moment where you kind of felt like, okay, I know I made the right decision, I know that I can really make it out here. No, I never really questioned that I would make it. It wasn't like a, but I didn't move like, oh, I'm going to go make it in LA. I just moved like, I'm going to go to school down there. Like I just did a bunch of college searches or college like um, questionnaires online, like you know, what I wanted out of a school, like what I was interested in. And Long Beach State fit the description. I was like, oh, the weather's nice down there. I'll go check it out. So it was, it was never like a, like a big thing for me. It was just the next step. It was just like the natural next step. What did you end up taking in school? Um, communication. Mm-hmm. See, I kind of had a... So I did... Mine was information management, so I was doing computer programming. And then I got burned out, you know, just doing computer programming. So that's when I picked up a minor in mass media. And that's when I had opportunity to cover the Hornets, um, I covered the Panthers, um, I done NASCAR, a lot of sports and everything. Sorry, give me one second. Um, no, he's not. Let me talk to you, sorry. Sorry. Oh, you fine. I'm gonna start this one over while we're. While we're. Okay, sorry. Oh. <clears throat> I probably just have like five more minutes. I don't know how much more time you okay. need, but sorry. <laughs> no, I got like probably ten. Okay. So, so being here at uh, Sundays, what does it mean for you to kind of be in this Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's not even just the comedians that are like icons and famous. It's all it's all the comedians. Like the the ones you don't know are the funniest. They're the hungriest. Um, you know, they're still out grinding, and you know, it's it's just it's like a dream. The the job is a dream to laugh all the time. Like, has, has it been anyone that you know, you know kind of really in this um, space that you're in that you kind of uh, just like starstruck you when you first, you know, no, not really. I don't get starstruck, really. really. Which I think is good in my position. Um, but no, I haven't ever really felt that. I'm trying to think. No. Yeah, I, I said, I, I told a story the other day about you know, when I was covering the Hornets. Um, I, was, well, I was 22 at the time. And the first game I went to, after the game was over, we were walking down the hall and headed to interview players and coaches. And we're walking one way, and the, next, the other way, Michael Jordan's coming down the hall. So 
Yeah. To me, that was like one of the first times I was like, oh, this is this is Mike. You know, it's like the one that everybody calls the, the greatest basketball player of all time. So that was kind of like one of the own moments for me. But the best piece of advice I remember hearing was this lady was telling me, like, at the meeting, she said, you know, these are your peers. And she said, don't put them on a pedestal because if you do, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, like I said, they, they're just they're human. Like, it's like anybody else. Mm -hmm. So we did that. Like, they're, 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 they're just got to treat them like you would anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few more questions and we'll get ready to wrap it up. Um, for you, the state of comedy, uh, I want you to talk about like, how do you feel about the state of comedy right now? Well, my current thought that I've been sharing quite a lot is I think stand-up really in the past five years has been huge. I think like Netflix and Hulu and all the streaming has really gotten stand-up to where the recognition it deserves. But the other side of that is I think that a lot of the comedy clubs now across the country are booking these social media stars that um, have numbers. So um, they're like... And, and those people aren't necessarily funny in stand-up. Right. So they're booking based off um, based off that. And so people are going to comedy clubs and they're not laughing because yeah. these people aren't funny. Do you think so, that hurts comedy when they... Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course, when someone goes to a comedy show and they're not laughing. Right. And I was going to also say, like... Kind of to me is like it's in a weird space because when you look at things like uh, what Chris Rock and Will Smith, that incident with Dave Chappelle, you think those things kind of like kind of hurts coming because it's almost like you can you can't really say certain things anymore because you, you don't want to offend well that's in some spaces but not here i mean people are still very very politically incorrect here and it is a personal decision by the comic but like alicia cooper said a couple weeks ago she's like you can't cancel me y'all motherfuckers don't know me like i don't like what are you gonna cancel and i mean look at dave dave is inappropriate as hell i just saw him at the hollywood Bowl. oh i was there when that happened when he got really oh yes. man. but he, all his jokes were so politically incorrect, and I loved it. I made a post about it. Like, he's the only one that really does that anymore. Like, goes super, super inappropriate. Has that changed the way you guys had to handle business? Because when you see those things, it was like, I guess they had their own security, but at times they had to worry about you know, people coming up on stage. Did it got alter the way you? No, I mean we have security here, but that those are very very rare occurrences. It just happened to be two back to back, but you don't hear about that happening a lot. So so going forward, what would you say you expect like the stand up industry to look like? Would you say you expect it to be more of those? I mean, I just hope it continues to be more diverse. Um, I think it has been more lately, but I mean, still the majority of specials you see on TV, the actors you see on TV and streaming channels, they're still predominantly white males in the comedy space. Um, so, but I mean, it's been changing for the better slowly, and I just hope that it continues to get more diverse. When we talk about changing the business, uh, you know, a couple of years ago we had the, the pandemic. I guess it's somewhat safe to say we may still, I mean, we're still going through it, but it's like we're out of the worst part of it. How did the pandemic change the business dynamic for you guys? Oh, well, it actually was kind of for the better. Um, that year was horrible, or the year and a few months, but um, 
it that's when our like digital stuff took off like youtube and facebook we randomly had a couple videos that went viral on youtube and that's what started our whole digital business mm -hmm. just a few more questions we're about to wrap it up i know we gotta kind of gotta get ready for the whole year so mm -hmm. what was the biggest sacrifice you said you had to make one of the biggest sacrifices. Biggest sacrifice. Sleep? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would definitely be it. And what's up, would you say some of like, the best advice that you've received along your journey? The best advice? You know, I just got some really good advice from my boss recently. Pookie, the one that um, he executive produces the show. He's always giving me good advice. But we were talking about doing this business deal on this company that wanted to help us grow our like YouTube and Facebook channels and stuff, but they wanted like a really big percentage and um, and he was just like, no, like there's, if you know your worth, you won't make deals that don't make sense. And so, um, yeah, like make sure you know your worth and stick to it. And people will start valuing that. What, what would you tell the younger learner to do different? What would I tell the younger learner to do differently? Don't waste so much money. I'm very good with money, but I was, I kind of, I was getting some from my parents while in college, and I was working, so I was going out a lot, shopping a lot. I wish I could go back. If I'm like, if I would have just saved just a few hundred bucks and invested it back then, I would be like really, really well. I spent a lot. Well, those so. refund checks from school, you know, I was borrowing money that I, I needed some money to borrow from school, but then I would borrow extra just to have it in my pockets. I just took that money and I could go away. I don't have to worry about it. This, this is three, four years from now. I, I worry about paying the money back later. So just took that money and, you know, just spending my crazy stuff in school, like jewelry and everything. So that's one of the things I was, you know, saying about What advice would you give to anyone, you know, chasing that dream? Are they scared of maybe take that leap of faith? What advice would you give them? I would say pray, pray a lot and make sure that's the right decision and and save a lot of money. It's never going to feel like the right time to do it. It's always going to be scared to take the leap, but have enough savings before you really go for it. Have enough savings to be comfortable not making any money for six months to a year and then go for it. Great advice. And then my final question, this is the Cross the Line podcast self-investment to us. So the very last question I'd like to ask everyone is what does self-investment mean to you? Self-investment um, to me means taking care of yourself, your health, your your financial health, your spiritual health, your mental health, physical health, all of that. Making sure all five, four or five of those areas in your life are taken care of. Absolutely. I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you guys have a lot going on. Thank you for inviting me out here. This has yeah. been a great trip out here. Um, I've been out here since Wednesday night. I'm getting ready to head back tomorrow night. But I really thank you for taking the time to you know, invite me out here. Before we get out of here, can you tell everyone um, where to find you guys? Um, Chocolate Sundays at Chocolate Sundays everywhere. Um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. That channel is hilarious. Um, yeah. And you can find me personally on at Lonnie L-A-N-I-D-O-T-T-Y. Absolutely. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, this has been a great trip for me. From where I started to where I am now, you know, starting in the backyard to going all the way out here in L.A. 
with you guys. It's been a very, it's been a blessing for me. So thank you again. My and pleasure. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Across the Line Podcast. It's a self-investment tour. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.